0: In your bibles the <laughs> book of jonah we have common passages for sure we preach on uh, today jonah chapter one any children know what jonah's about anybody what's it about well, like... okay. Well. okay all right anybody what was the message that can you get out of that? Hunter? You okay, can't run away from God. Okay, you can't run away from God. You can run, but you can't hide. That is right? That's what you're gonna say. Alright. Hunter, you're so intelligent. when you put up my son's thoughts. Alright. Jonah chapter one, verse one. <clears throat> It says now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Dear, Holy Father, we just pray, Lord, and ask, Lord, and be with the declaration of your word. And Lord, we pray, Lord, and be with um, Nancy, Larry and Nancy, it's just Nancy, she's just kind of struggling with, with her health. and you know, they are they to be here, and just pray, Lord, and just uh, bring her comfort as she's struggling, and just pray for anybody else that may be sick, and Jesus' name, Amen. Now Jonah lived about 800 years before Jesus became flesh, um, and we see here it says, "The word of the Lord came unto Jonah." The word of the Lord came unto Jonah. This wasn't a message from a mortal human being coming to Jonah. Um, this wasn't even another prophet speaking on behalf of what God would have be said to Jonah. This was God himself speaking, uh, and this wasn't an account like Samuel. So if you want to go and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3, but this wasn't uh, like Samuel where he had heard from God, but he thought it was somebody else that was calling his name um, in 1 Samuel Um, 3 verse 7, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord um, had called the child. Okay, So Samuel heard voices, kept thinking it was Eli, but well, God was speaking to him. So, this wasn't what it was like for Jonah, where he's thinking he's just losing it, or he's he mentally going, it's just not all the way there, or um, this isn't him being addicted to drugs and hearing voices. This was God speaking to Jonah, and Jonah knew it. There was no doubt about it. When Abraham heard God's voice to sacrifice his son, he made preparations, went up to the mountain to make his sacrifice. God knew, or Abraham knew it was God. And of course, that was the picture that God would send his son. And now we see that God sent an angel to spare um, Abraham from doing. Um, so should he, that was just more of a test and trust how much Abraham would fall after God. Um, and other than that illustration that God would use, God never asked for anybody to sacrifice, um, their children, but rather condemn the pagan nations for doing such. Um, often they would offer sacrifices to Moloch. and some of the other gods and some of the other goddesses they would offer their daughters to be temple prostitutes and all these things God prohibited and commanded against and Nineveh um, was involved and most likely those kinds of things as well. But we see that God called for Jonah to take action. He told him to arise. You know, you know to get up. You know what this is a command arise and it was calling for an immediate response this wasn't hey take your time to think about it Let's um, make a plan god is this really what you want for me to do this was god was telling jonah to go to go and then to cry against it to preach to cry against it for their wickedness is come before me. Isaiah 58 1 gives another um, illustration of preaching where it says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. That preaching sometimes it involves crying aloud. And I don't mean screaming just for screaming sake, but more of an urgency that you're crying aloud, you're trying to show that this is urgent, that there needs to be repentance, that judgment of God is coming and to um, make the warning. The place he told them to go was Nineveh. Now, get a little bit of history, you go in Genesis chapter 10 um, and verse 8. Bible says that Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, "In this Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Herak, and Akkad and Calneh in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth a shirt and built Nineveh and the city Rehoboth and Calah and Rinan." between Nineveh and Kela, the same is a great city. And so, Nimrod built Babel, became pagan nation, um, and then they sent out and built Nineveh, and ended up being a pagan um, city. Nineveh was proud, though, of her invulnerable um, city, with her walls reaching between 40 to 50 feet high, and with a moat, it's been estimated to be about 150 feet wide, and sixty feet deep, all around the city of Nineveh at that time. The Bible refers to Nineveh as a great city. Now, this is not saying that great in the sense of it being of great virtue, but rather than that it was well populated, it was it was it was, it was built um, well, um, but yet it was. A City that did not recognize God at all. Um, Nimrod was one of the Assyria's royal cities, and for many years served as the capital. A city that started through the efforts of Nimrod, who also built the other cities, including Babylon. This is near Mosul, Iraq today, which was under the control of ISIS. I don't know where where it's at as it is right now. But um, these were Gentiles. That were enemies of Israel. They despised, they hated the Israelites, and the Israelites hated them. There's been you look at different commentaries, you um, hear where it um it talks about how Nineveh was um, very wicked, very cruel, um, would um go over, just murder people, rape them, rape people, at a terrible place. And we no wonder. That you wouldn't want to go. Okay. You know, sometimes you're saying about, okay, just going to the city, okay, going to Seattle. I'm like, I don't want to go there. And there's not a mini threat threat. Like, it's not like someone's after to kill me there. Now, can it happen there? It absolutely. It can happen anywhere. But you know, just going to a great city, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to go and live there. I don't want to move my family there. So you know, here is a place that actually wants to kill you. A place that perhaps, maybe has killed maybe some of Jonah's family. I don't know if that happened or not, but it's possible. And Jonah, no wonder, did not want to go there. But that's where God had called him to go. And the reality is, that many missionaries have said. When parents have panic about their children surrendering to be a missionary to some third world nation, and a lot of times missionaries remind them that your child is safer in the will of God across the world than in your own town outside of the will of God. King Asher Binable, um, in 669 BCE to 626 um, B.C., built a huge library in Nineveh, which contained over 22,000 clay tablets. This was the largest library known prior to the Egyptian library in Alexandria. So, why was God calling um, Jonah to go here? It says, cry is it for their wickedness has come up before me. Turn to Nahum. This is where the Bible talks about Nineveh as well. This is later on. As you know, the end of Jonah, Nineveh ends up repenting. Later on, they end up going back to their wicked ways. Uh, Nahum, chapter 3. And that's just a couple of books later. So just kind of a few pages and you'll eventually get there, the name, it's a small um, book in the Bible, the name, is verse 1, so prophet, how God describes Nineveh, it says, woe to the bloody city, it is all full of lies and robbery. the prey depart of none, the noise of a whip. And the noise of the rattling of the wheels and of the prancing horses and of the jumping chariots, the horsemen lift up both the bright sword and the glittering spear. And there is a multitude of slain and a great number of carcasses, and there is none in of their corpse. They stumble upon their corpse because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts the sell of nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcraft. Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will discover thy spirits upon thy face, and I will show the nations thy nakedness, and the kingdoms thy shame." It's their wickedness, they're they're, they're such a murderous bunch, and it's no wonder that ISIS kind of um, had a stronghold there, where they just went, went around killing everybody. They stumble upon uh, other courts, um, um, adultery, whoredoms, um, um, spiritual adultery, witchcraft, um, was common here, the great wicked city, city filled with great wickedness. Now, if you were Jonah, that's probably not going to make it more appetizing. You know, well, you know, I really want to go to The Assyrians of Nineveh were notorious for amputating hands and feet, gouging eyes, skinning and impaling their captives. Uh, The final verse of Nahum's book emphasizes the violence of Nineveh in the form of a rhetorical question. uh, Verse 19 says, There is no healing of thy wounds. Thy wound is grievous. All that hear the fruit of thee shall clap the hands over thee, for upon whom have not thy wickedness passed continually? Tell me, you know the wickedness is so great on that city that the other nations, when they see Nineveh finally judged, they're going to be rejoicing. Now, this is a city that did come to repentance for a while, where they and. The, king, the kings there said, no, you, you know, that God will be Lord. They fasted and they prayed and they repented. But now, later on, they're back being filled with great wickedness.
1: In warfare,
0: the Assyrians and Nineveh were extremely brutal. Archaeological records show that they built pyramids of severed heads, and pile bodies of their adversaries like cordwood outside of the enemy city's walls. I wonder if Jonah did not want to go there. Well, what are prophets prophesied against Gentile pagan nations? Uh, um, if my memory recalls correctly, if I'm mistaken, you know, and let me know afterwards, because I couldn't find. Um, and anyway, I believe this is the only case of a prophet actually being sent to a foreign nation to deliver God's message against them. in the Old Testament. And I think that's correct. Um, you see throughout the prophets where they would prophesy against other nations, but they were still in Israel, were just not in that nation. Here God was sending Jonah to go to this nation. This was for the salvation of that city, if they would repent, and judgment if they would not. And it would be to the shame and jealousy of Israel, as well as a rebuke to the reluctance of the Jews to bring um, to the Gentiles the true God. God had already prophesied and said that through Abraham's seed that um, the um, Gentile nations would be blessed with the gospel. But Israel kind of isolated themselves at the time. We see that Jonah ends up going to Joppa. Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish um, from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. So he he went down to Joppa, which is south of where he was supposed to go. And then he went west to Tarshish, where he was um, headed to go. Um, today is called Jaffa, uh, It's located on the Mediterranean coast near the border of Judah and Samaria. And it's also, it is, I thought this was interesting, the location of Peter's vision in preparation for his visit to Cornelius, it would be a Gentile. And Peter started to think, you know, I can't be with the Gentiles. Um, he would secretly sometimes, but then probably he. Abstain from them. And in, God, in Acts chapter ten, we see that God gives them a vision uh, to not call what God has claims unclean, that he was recognized that he know the Gentiles were being saved as well, um, being made holy. And it's, Peter opened his mouth and said, Of truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that fear of him and work of righteousness is accepted with him. I just wonder if there was maybe, um, some, maybe this came to mind about Jonah, that here Peter is in the same city that Jonah first went to and then was then leaving, leaving, leaving to go to the Tarshish. But it would be there, God would give a reminder in the New Testament to go unto the Gentiles, to preach the gospel, not just to the household of Israel, but to all. Of the world. And we see Jonah's response was to flee, to flee from the presence of the Lord. Now, why would anybody want to flee from the presence of God? Why? If you have God's presence, why would you seek to flee? After all, we see Moses pleaded for the presence of God. Exodus 33, verse 13. It says, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up in it. Moses had been telling you, No, God, if your presence is there, I want to be there. If your presence isn't going to be with us over there, please don't send us there. Moses wanted the presence of God. He had comfort in God's presence. You see, David desired to be in the presence of God when he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me." David, after he had sinned with Bathsheba, he felt a break in his fellowship with God, and then he begs and pleads with God, please create in me a clean heart. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would oftentimes Come upon people and they'd be able to prophesy and then they would leave. And today, we, and when we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling with us and we're still till the day of redemption and this Holy Spirit isn't ever gone. But here in David's time, the Holy Spirit would simply come at times and leave at times. He wanted the presence of God. See in Psalm 84, he begs for the presence of God again, and in Psalm 139 in verse 7, he says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Now David here is understanding, you know God is omnipresent. You can't really flee from God. Jonas fine, he was fleeing from what God told him to do, but he cannot really flee from God's presence. David here says, again, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and draw in the innermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. So again, why would one flee from the presence of the Lord? You have God's presence when he walked with man in the garden of Eden. Says in Genesis 3:8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called on Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. After Adam in sin, they recognized recognized. They were naked and trying to flee from the presence of God then when they heard His voice. You see the people in Jesus' time, um, in John 10, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. So man flees from God, just as Jonah did. This wasn't really out of the ordinary. For someone like Jonah to flee from God when he's not right with God. that's what man does. We try to flee from God when we're not walking with Him, when we're not right with Him. Jonah 3.19 says, or John, I'm sorry, John 3.19. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil, hate of the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And man does not want to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. They do not want to acknowledge who they are going to give an account to. And when we try to flee from the presence of God, we're going to pay a price. We're going to pay a cost for it. And you notice it says about um, Jonah in verse three of Jonah, says, he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare there. Jonah paid the fare. There was a cost to him to flee from God, and it was more than just a take See, now he gets thrown overboard, and God in his mercy, as the wells fall on him, lest he perish in this sea. There's a price of pay when one attempts to at flee the will of God or his presence. God chastens his children when he disobey. you could go to Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 11 in the future. Write that down. But we see that God chastens his children. Those whom he loves, he chastens he disciplines. And it's for our betterment. It's not because God glories and just like thinking, oh yeah, I just want to beat this person. No, he chastens us in a way to help build us, to help us get stronger and to grow in our walk with the Lord. And Jonah ends up being chastened and ends up becoming involved in the process. We ask ourselves are we ever following Jonah's footsteps? Way into the will of God. Something maybe we know is God's command in the Bible. And we try and get around and we try and justify what we want, want to do when it may be sinful or maybe we're not where God would have us to be in some area of our life. How often the consensus is that Jonah should have gone the first time when we know that God has told us what to do in His work. Sometimes we ignore it. And we give it in more reading. How many of us are still refusing Jesus' words to go with the gospel? Jesus told us to go, we therefore, into all the world, to teach, to preach the gospel to every creature. What are we doing in our area? What are we doing for missions around the world? As yes, God told Jonah to go, he's told us to go. He's commanded us to be a witness to all nations, the word of the Lord says go, Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. But yet, there's excuses we need, there's excuses I made at times. You know, here Jonah's excuses seem to be more legitimate. And there were enemies of Israel that these people may have killed Many people in their nation, (coughs) perhaps in Jonah's family. Some people make the excuses today. I'm just not comfortable telling others how they can be saved. Say, oh, you know, I believe faith to be on, on their own. It's their decision, it is their decision. Again, we can't try to force it. We're not like Islam, um, certain sects of it, where you force them to convert or die or to pay a tax. It's a choice. No, it's not high pressure. It's simply give the gospel. It's their response. But it is to be our response to share the gospel with others. Sometimes we maybe have an excuse that others aren't taking God's word seriously, so why should I? Perhaps Jonah felt justified in what he was doing, as others were going to Tarshish. No one else was going to Nineveh. Now, as far as we know, God didn't call them all to go there, um, but he could have said, hey, they're not going. Why should I go? Just follow in the crowd. What is our excuse why we don't go? It may be different for every single one of us in the times anything in the will of God. Or maybe we don't fall. We have excuses. But when we try to flee from the presence of God, we will pay the price there. We'll pay the fear, just as Jonah paid the fear. It's possible that we lack God's blessing in our own life and are paying the fear there because we refuse to go, to do our part in sharing the gospel. Disobedience withholds the favorable blessings of God brings God's chastisement. When Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord, he went down to John. It was not an upward move. It was a downward move. You know, you can just imagine like inflating a bull. And with that bull being inflated, thinking about that being a Christian inflated with God's presence, full and satisfied well, in God's presence. Strong, well, in God's presence. Steady, sober, well, in God's presence. But then just imagine letting that balloon go and it just kind of flies in the air, it goes all over the place. When a balloon flees from your presence, it is deflated, it is depressed, it is weak, it is unstable in its direction, it's a vain pursuit. Same when we're without God's special presence. God's all everywhere present, but when we don't have the blessing of his presence, of it being in his will. So possible that we arose and obey the command to go, that there could be great repentance like we see in Minima. And it would just be where we evangelize, we evangelize our city, we evangelize Shanaelis and Tralia. You know Washington State, how church planters um, start churches, send money to missionaries across the world, that they could be able to be financially supported so they could stay where they're at. And maybe for us to go and be encouraged an encouragement and go on missions trips, you see that with the life of Paul. He wasn't just in one place. He kept on moving around and going on these different missionary journeys. To have a desirable presence of God, um, we must be saved. Uh, And then afterwards say, obedience of God's people can bring revival. Revelation 21, verse 2, it says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. What a wonderful thing to look forward to as in Christian. Man, to have that special presence of God, and that uh, we see that God is our God, that we are his people, but how many more people out there can we introduce to the kingdom of God? So, I encourage you this week, you know, and try to find opportunities to get some gospel tracks out. Because people may know if they go ahead. Sometimes you know, they know notice, say, No, I don't and That could be an opportunity to share the gospel. Um, you can ask them the questions, the questions about eternity, great gospel message in this new track that we have. I believe it will be helpful in people understanding the gospel, but how can we be more involved personally? Not just thinking, how can we as a church evangelize more collectively, but personally, how can you improve in your evangelism? So I'd like the invitation to be about at 9:00 this morning. Some music, go ahead and play some God, please, God, how can I more personally be involved in outreach? Jonah had a lot of reasons why he didn't want to go. Our reasons usually, at least as of Share the gospel of God. May God save. Try repenting of what they had done. To them and their mind they would partake. so like us every day are not ashamed of the gospel. Because as we're ashamed, Jesus will be ashamed of his heart. We're ashamed of the shared gospel. It's right you our part personally and collectively as a church, growing our evangelism. Dear Heavenly Father, let's pray the Lord that you help me be a better leader in an example in evangelism. Help us as a church, help us as individuals, Lord, to really take things personally. Uh, with our new um, series starting on Wednesday, I pray, Lord, that you will use that to help people to be more bold in sharing their faith and sharing the gospel of other people. You know, in the far left, you know, in liberalism, you know, and there's a whole things of satanic culture even in it, and they're ready to be we do have the gospel, Lord, Lord evangelize better than we're doing, in Jesus' name, amen. Again, just a reminder, this Wednesday, we have our outreach bus started, and then Saturday, come at 10 o'clock in the morning, and learn how to install doors and trim, and that was a by the as well. God bless you, Go, so for it. Stop it, Throwing the garbage, Daddy, what's the what's the title? Daddy, what's can I see your sermon out? You Where is dust not funny. This is gross. Daddy, can I have your thing? I see back and